0: My name is Brock, and this is the Dungeon Master's Toolkit Podcast. On today's episode, I talk to Alex from the Dungeons & Degrees Podcast. You may remember that I had her co-host on a few weeks ago, Adrian. So that was a lot of fun to get full circle and have both of them on the show. On today's episode, we talk about imposter syndrome for Dungeon Masters, we talk about running games for kids, and a little bit about how how much violence do you include, or how much math and systems do you include, and, and just kind of have that discussion. And we also talk about using RPGs in the classroom, or in teaching, so that kids can learn either math or... Uh, constructive, creative problem-solving skills, that sort of thing. We also get into talking a little bit about reality TV shows and maybe how to bring those uh, genres into a game. And then some of the stuff we wrap up on is modules and kind of using different modules and what works best for us. It was a very fun conversation. And I'm also excited to announce that I got to be interviewed by both Alex and Adrian on their podcast, and that episode will be releasing this coming Sunday, so I'll be sure to let you guys know on the Discord server when that goes live, but you can get a double dose of me this week, um, and Alex as well, if you head over and listen to the episode of the Dungeons and Degrees podcast. If you'd like to support the channel make sure you like and subscribe or rate the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on and be sure to share it with other players or dungeon masters that you think would be interested in the content it helps get us out to a wider audience which is always fun it's always fun to bring more people in if you're interested in being interviewed and being actually on the podcast there is an interview link that you can fill out in the description and you can also join the discord server that's probably the best way to get notified of when i'm doing new interviews so hop on over there and chat with us and maybe hop into a game or two and as always if you're interested in helping out financially there are some affiliate links to all of the different rpg products that we talked about in any of the episodes, so if you head over to Amazon or DriveThruRPG, you can pick up a new book uh, using one of the links and then I get a small percentage of it, which is just a nice way to support creators. But today, I'm actually going to be giving back to you guys because we ran a design contest for the month of July, very fun design contest. We came up with this fantasy desert metropolis location called Kuljanan, the Immortal Garden, just in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a big desert, and we have had people uh, drop in submissions for the entire month of July with a location in that city, and I'm going to be compiling these all into a nice little uh, zine, I guess you could call it, Um, so you get to see all of the submissions, and I'm getting some artwork uh, that I found online that I think will be great for the setting. And we're going to have this cool little resource that you can use to plug and play. But there was a cash uh, prize or a gift card prize to either Amazon or DriveThruRPG. It's a small prize of $10, but I'm hoping as we continue to grow and get more submissions, we can continue to bump that up and do more and larger rewards. So really looking forward to it. Really excited. Let's get into the submissions. There were five submissions in total and that means that every single person had a pretty good chance of being picked as the winner. And I will say that every submission was really good and I actually had to uh, have my wife help me pick a winner because it was just very difficult to decide. So props to all of the writing here. But we do have a winner and I am going to read the winner's submission. Dravik O'Dim, a man to know, but not befriend, a man to dislike, but most certainly not to make an enemy of. Mr. O'Dim I describe as a slightly above-average-height human with sallow skin, a set of piercing brown eyes that always seem to see just a bit too much, and slicked-back black hair. He may not look like much, but he is known to be one of the city's preeminent power brokers. He has a hand in every pie, or at least seems he does, and the leverage needed to get what he wants. Compromising pictures, bribes already enveloped and on their way to the right hands, beatings in the dark by unknown thugs. His schemes always seem to be in the midst of grand, complicated plays, which build on and ever on. Some even say, to step into the lair of Dravik-Odim, with intent to make a deal, is to step into the lair of the devil itself. And everyone knows, you don't make a deal with the devil. al Emporium of Much is not the kind of place that natives of Kaldjanan are likely to go. Its location within the city is less than desirable, located just east of the Ember Mines and just south of the Slaughterhouse district. It's almost guaranteed that an unpleasant smell has permeated the shop through every cluttered aisle and cramped corner. But more important is the owner of this building, for it is not the humble gnome Al Qad who once owned this shop. Instead, at some point ownership transitioned to a man known as Dravik O'Dim. It was at that point that the shop's wares seemed to take a turn for the darker, less knick-knacks and children's toys, and more shrunken heads and poisoners tools. The tools, the occult objects, all began to crowd the shop as purchases dropped off until it reached the present day. Piles of dark objects crowding every corner, leaving only cramped walkways through the shop, each one of which carefully placed so that they are all directly under the watchful eye of Mr. Odim. Now the shop does little to no business through its front door, Visitors are unwelcome and locals know to stay away, unless truly desperate. Every local knows that the back door is always open, and there's an entirely different set of deals available there. In the back room of Cod's Emporium of Much, the personal domain of Dravik O'Dim, there is a drawer. This drawer, located below the register, is fitted with three separate locks each with a separate key, and is made of hard-paneled triaxi ironwood. No one but Mr. O'Dem knows what is actually within the drawer, but many people, always through a friend of a friend, never themselves have seen some of the objects which have been removed from or placed into the drawer. Pictures of private bedrooms from the Ember Palace, with even more private views on display, rolls of antique coins, each neatly wrapped with paper, stacks of crisp and wrinkled bills, small bundles of whatever the current opiates or narcotics craze is obsessed with. The drawer always seems to have what a desperate fellow needs. And that was our winning entry by Dan, and I actually interviewed him on episode 11, so if you want to hear uh, more from him, Check out episode 11, that's where I talked to Dan. He did a fantastic job of describing everything in the requirements. So the location, the NPC, and the set piece. And I, I think he brought it all together just really, really well. So congratulations to Dan, we'll get his prize over to him. And keep an eye out on the Discord server. I will be releasing the rest of the contest submissions in a PDF. Uh, And not too long, I'm not quite done with it, but that'll be out shortly. And also stick around and watch out for more design competitions, because this is something that I would like to do more of. So we may start to do some more voting to see what people want to design next. And just thank you everybody that participated, and I hope that people can get some use out of this little PDF that we're putting together. Now that we've gotten all of our contest and housekeeping items out of the way, uh, without further ado, let's get into the episode with Alex. I have Alex Salnier-McKinnon, Saul- if Close I said enough. that right. Okay, <laughs> perfect.
1: The Texas pronunciation is Salnier. The proper pronunciation is Salnier, as I've been, you know, for long enough. And I think I'm the only one that says it that way in my family, because I got yelled at uh, by a music instructor during col- in college who told me I was saying my last name wrong.
0: Oh, that's so thoughtful of them. <laughs> yeah. So awesome, I'm excited to have you on the show, and why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in tabletop role-playing games?
1: Sure, so I, in my day job, I am a teacher, I teach third grade now, exciting. Um, on the nerd side of things, I have two different d based podcasts. Um, I it, I guess I play with one, and then I, I, I'm actually host similar to what you do, Brock. Um, and I try to play as many games as I can uh, with my busy schedule. I actually have a life outside, too, so I don't get as much gameplay as I want um i'm also i guess a big animal crossing fan which i just realized before we were recording that i've been playing since about nine o'clock this morning so there's a problem there i'm sure we could identify <laughs> but on the dungeons and Dragons side i started playing D&D in college i had a couple of friends who played pathfinder and so i joined games there and really enjoyed it um I didn't enjoy the, like, long plays that we had, so they would play, like, six, seven, eight hours, and I just didn't have the attention span to do that, because we were very rarely doing anything other than creating characters and then, like, playing the first couple levels of a campaign. So it was a long, tedious, but I enjoyed hanging out with my friends and, and rolling sparkly dice, and I had another friend who was really good at Magic the Gathering. And so when he would win tournaments at our local game store, he would actually just give me the store credit because he had too much and didn't know what else to get. So I started collecting all of my dice. So I have too many, Um, as everyone does. But it was really nice. It's kind of nice to remember him every time I pull out a set. And then after college, uh, I continued playing with just random random people. So I would jump in in a game here and in, here and there. And then I lost all the, the all those friends moved away and so I wasn't playing Dungeons and Dragons or anything. And then during the pandemic, my friend Adrian reached out, said, "Hey, do you want to start a podcast? Um we can talk about Dungeons and Dragons and just sort of life things." Um so we talk about Dungeons and Dragons and mental health and just general Lifestyle things. So there's my brief history in being a nerd.
0: Yeah. And I've listened to a couple of your guys' episodes, and you've got, you've had some pretty interesting topics and some pretty interesting people on as well.
1: Yeah. So the, the secret with that is that I don't do any research beforehand, um, which has been very funny and very, uh, very stressful um, beforehand. But, um, we talked to people and I'm like, yeah, they're just like regular people, just like normal, normal people. And then we start to talk. And I'm like, oh, you're talking about things like I recognize. So like Mike Trout is one of those. Mike Trapp, sorry, not Trout, <laughs> not the baseball player. <laughs> um, Mike Trapp was one of those that so I was like, I've seen your face. I've heard your voice, but like, I can't put that into play at all. I don't know where it came from. And so I started to, you know, Google while we were talking, and I was like, oh, snap, I know exactly who you are. I've seen you on College Humor. I've seen, you know, the first couple of episodes of Bloodkeep. And so, uh, yeah, I end up not knowing what we're doing, which I think is kind of fun and charming, right? We can play it like that.
0: Yeah, it adds to the atmosphere of the podcast. <laughs>
1: You know, it's just, we're trying to get the people... We're trying to cast a wide net. So if you are deep in the Dungeons & Dragons, there's Adrian. If you are, like, a casual gamer, you've got me.
0: And do you um, do you run many games?
1: So during quarantine, I tried to run a game with my uh, family, um, since they were the only people that I was really seeing. Um, we played, I think... Five or six sessions, and then with my sister and and her boyfriend having a uh, actual server's job, when everything opened back up, you know, in the mid pandemic, uh, they had a more rigid schedule, and it was just really hard to get together, as all D and D games or most D and D games go. Um, So that sort of fizzled. Um, I am starting to put on the the DM cap again Um, I'm very nervous about writing campaigns Um, I'm a little more of the controlling I need to have everything figured out before we start it so um, Adrian is actually going to be helping write another campaign that we will hopefully be showcasing or helping me write a campaign that we will be showcasing and maybe talking about the journey of being a baby DM in the world
0: that's pretty cool um, are you planning to do a so is that going to be another podcast or a series or something
1: I think we're we're talking about it you know a peek behind the curtain we're talking about doing it as a series um, just so you know you can see how other people maybe learn and how maybe watching one person's journey helps you become a better DM or become a better teacher or something like that um, you know just always trying to find that content and fill it in different ways but I'm really excited so like I didn't really like storytelling or English in general so in high school or in college I just don't feel like that was my strength and so it's a lot of my hesitation of of creating something that I have to be in charge of like i can be in charge of like classrooms and stuff and like wing it there but there's something about that translation that i just get really worried and nervous and then overthink it and then i'm like everyone's gonna hate it and then you know even just feeling like a general imposter
0: uh yes imposter syndrome (laughs) um definitely have experienced that um i think one of the nice things versus like maybe writing a story or um but for playing playing a game is that as you're coming up with stuff or as you're um doing the sessions the players are going to actually give you a lot of content to work with just based on their actions and different things that they do and different and different things that they say too right like they'll roll terribly and be like oh no this probably happens and you're like yeah it does that's way better than what I had planned. So, you know, versus writing a story like you mentioned in college or something, you're not the only author in the room, I guess, is a way to say it.
1: Yeah. And talking to different people, especially, you know, in the last year, I I get that. I am practice, or I guess, and understanding I know that, but like in practice, I'm still like, oh, no, I have to do everything. So... I'm working through it.
0: <laughs> and what system do you plan on using?
1: Uh, 5E, because I just, that's what I have. As far as I'm aware right now, we literally talked about it
0: yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 5th edition is pretty, I mean, it's, it probably is the biggest game, or like as far as market share goes. So the, being able to find people that know it and make content for it, you know, is is very easy. So I, I understand why it's a go-to for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, and I never really played anything... I never really played anything that I can think of other than Pathfinder. It's always been 5e and Pathfinder. Um, I don't have... I guess now, with the use of technology, I have no excuse. But um, we left Lubbock and moved to... My husband and I... Uh, left Lubbock and moved to Dallas and I just have not found like a place to go to explore other other game systems and that's really unfortunate um, but I'm I'm on the lookout for somewhere it is weird doing things like that because it's not like, like going and finding stores um, we had one in, in Lubbock that I felt comfortable but I think a lot of game stores still get the bad rap of not being super inclusive for everybody and it's intimidating still for me to go into a game store despite the fact that I talk about it a lot or do anything or I just once again have that really bad imposter syndrome come through of like do I even have a place here or you know am I gonna have to prove myself that I can
0: I definitely get the uncomfortability in certain stores because some I don't even know what it is, but there's just something about, like, the people or whatever in certain stores just don't feel welcoming. Or, like, if you don't know people there, then it's just kind of weird to be in there looking around. And then... Yeah. I have been in other stores where it's um, very inviting and, you know, you can tell that they want you to be there. Um, For example, my wife and I took a vacation to Omaha uh, a couple weeks ago, and... There's like a board game cafe where you can pay like five bucks a person and just sit and play board games and have coffee and drinks and stuff. Um, super friendly for like all ages, like families with little kids to play board games or like college kids, grab a D&D book and d book and run a session. So they're out there. You just, they're, they can be hard to find though.
1: Yeah, I just have to go to the middle of Nebraska to find a place. No, I we've I've gone into a couple of stores, and it's just that immediate. And part of it is it, you know, the question is: Is it pandemic, and people are just weird? Is it that the store is just in a weird spot? Like, there's a lot of factors, and I completely understand. Um, So, if anybody has an idea of where to go in Dallas, you know, friendly, Um, you can hit me up on the Twitter, wherever you can find me on the internet.
0: What is your Twitter, so that people know?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Eloquent Mime is pretty standard across anything. Um, E-L-O-Q-U-E-N-T-M-I-M-E. Which I used as my very first name in World of Warcraft, and it has stuck since then.
0: Those names stick around for a long time, I've found. Um, Are there so as far as the dming aspect goes are there specific things that i mean besides like the imposter syndrome piece of it that you feel kind of are like your main hurdles
1: i would i would say that would be the biggest part of it because i think character creation is up to players and just figuring out how the characters come together um I can see where my gameplay has changed in that I just wanted to create a character and, like, hit things and, like, maybe solve a puzzle. And as I've gotten older, my own character creation has been like, okay, well, how would this character actually fit in this world? And why would this character be journey with these other characters? And so I think where I am just developmentally as a human... Um, I probably should stop being worried that I'm going to get things wrong because, you know, that imposter syndrome is is real. But um, I think it's just trying to remember everything and then make it a worthwhile experience for my players. You know, that that, like, customer service voice in the back of my head just wants to make sure that everyone's, like, having a good time. And then the other part of my brain goes well how could you be that person to allow these people to have a good time like how dare you think that you have the skills so I think really just getting out of my own way would be what I need to do in my journey in my hero's journey
0: (laughs) and hopefully as you run more and more games and just have like a conversation with your players at the end of the session you know What did people enjoy? What did people not enjoy? Hopefully that'll give you more confidence that people are having fun. Because I've had that too, where especially if you're new to DMing, there's just a large mental load to manage a session. So you may not necessarily be able to tell if people are enjoying it or not because you're just doing so many things. And then you get to the end and you're like, okay, was that fun. Do people like it? And then they turn around and they're like, oh yeah, that was awesome. I can't wait, you know, till next week till we can keep playing. But you're just so mentally overloaded in the moment that it can be hard to kind of gauge some of those things.
1: Yeah, and I think getting over the, like, air quote, right way to do things. I just have to, I have to remember that. That there's no right way to run a game. It's, It's really that collaborative effort that really helps make it fun and everyone's going to be a little weird at the beginning because it's a new role it's a new character it's a new it's a new story
0: how many players do you plan on having in your game
1: I think three maybe four Um, I think three is you know a pretty standard I just picture like Aragon, Lurk Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli on their hero's journey. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I don't think I would want to do more than five people. Because can you imagine trying to put all those schedules together online plus my schedule of school happening somewhat in the future?
0: <laughs> yeah, scheduling makes, uh, makes that a bit difficult. I typically run for two to three people depending on which group it is and yeah that even that is as an adult very difficult (laughs) to just get people's schedules to line up and some of us have kids and then that's a whole nother can of worms so
1: i think if enough people got together i think we really should have just a four-day work week and if we just documented all the good things that happens when people are allowed to play dnd i really think we could make it happen and have this policy change of a four-day work week so we all could play games together and enjoy life
0: i would be very happy with that especially (laughs) if it was work sponsored
1: (laughs) oh man get on that that would be so much fun i did play a work uh game so i uh worked in an office and we, were, we used to play just board games, so, you know, anything that we had that we could play for about an hour, um, we would play. And then one of, one of the people I worked with, one of my friends, um, he just started, he was like, hey, do we want to run Dungeons & Dragons? We're like, yeah, sure, you know, an hour a, on Wednesdays. It was a lot of fun. I even uh, changed offices. I worked on a university campus and so even when i changed offices i would come back on thursdays and have lunch and we would play dungeons and dragons and then you know through the when i moved and through the pandemic we played a little bit just to close out the campaign on roll 20 during our our work days so you know even finding an hour to do it during the week was a lot of fun
0: i couldn't imagine doing that at my previous job because i was the youngest person there by about 30 years um But at my current job, um, pretty much my whole team that I work with is about my age. So uh, I could definitely see that working out over like a lunch hour or something.
1: Yeah, and I'm looking at bringing it even down to my students and trying to figure out, you know, a club or some sort of enrichment activity of teaching my students how to play Dungeons and Dragons and like keeping it at a very like elementary level. So I think this is all the the spark of me actually putting on a DM hat and saying, "Okay, I can actually do this." Because you know, I just remember you have all these actual team building exercises that you can do, but there's something about coming together and fighting, you know, an imaginary dragon together and those stories still become real and how much of an impact and how good I feel, even though honestly, you know, when you take two steps away from it, I'm rolling a piece of plastic and I'm writing it down, maybe on a computer or a piece of paper. Um, but it just makes such a big difference. And so, you know, let's find more ways to put it in the work school force forever. Let's go. You and me, Brock, you got this.
0: <laughs> um, How, because you said you teach third grade, right? Yep. What are your class sizes?
1: So my class this next year is uh, 21 and it's split right down the center. So I have uh, 11 boys and 10 girls. So,
0: So figuring
1: out some way to, I don't know, bring them together or figure out how they can run them individually or just after school.
0: I've seen people talk uh, not a lot about running it for, like, school kids, but that's something that I would like to learn more about, not necessarily just for school kids, but just for kids in general. Um, I have a 2-year-old daughter. She's not, not quite ready for it, but I would like to introduce that to her at some point as she gets a little bit older because I think it would be fun to do with her. Um, and there are just so many questions i have about how do you run a game for kids and how do you handle some of the math or how how do you handle some of the violence and stuff in it you know what what level you know how how do, as a as an adult we're pretty much used to seeing a bunch of anything right and most things won't bother us in in the form of a game but some of that stuff can be kind of scary for kids so you know, where do you draw that line, you know?
1: Yeah, I thought about that too, because even like giving a seven-year-old the entire spellbook to choose or help out or find something to pick from, I that would have been overwhelming for me as a child. So in my mental vision of like trying to get this organized of, okay, how would we even start this? Um, would be giving, like, a watered-down version of some of the rules or some of the gameplay. Um, You know, maybe we're only doing a couple of different stats. So, obviously, we could keep strength and we could probably keep charisma because that would be a fun vocabulary word for them to learn. Um, And just have them do, you know... We could probably... See, now I'm thinking of it and and not even forming real sentences anymore. Um, Give them like a watered down gameplay, right? So they could go in and try to find some treasure and do a, a dungeon crawl, right? And then maybe we're not killing other characters. Maybe it's the Batman approach and they're just going to sleep and we're knocking them out and then we can move on through the dungeon, and I think the other part is the actual description from the DM. Do you have to go into a full description of like how you pulled the spine out of a a cobalt? No, you you really don't have to do that. Um, so, but what then? Okay, so here's the question: What's the difference between somebody playing Mortal Kombat and somebody playing like Super Smash Brothers?
0: Yeah, I suppose. But be- besides the <laughs> the mechanics are basically the same but it's just the theme and yeah how gory it is basically right
1: yeah so could we could we create a super smash brothers version of dnd
0: <laughs> um now that you say that um it reminds me of the movie how to train your dragon actually i think it's one of the like one of the second or third ones anyways all the the main characters are like fighting through this ship um, freeing some of the dragons and they've all got you know swords and maces and whatever but every time an enemy comes up they'll like flip they'll like clash swords a couple times and they'll either like disarm them or something or they'll just like pop them on the head with the like the pommel of the sword and not the actual sword itself so they just knock everybody out and there's a, a good representation of it without like killing people even though they're are all carrying lethal weapons
1: Yeah, see, And I think, you know, now having this conversation, we could pull from from stories like that. So, you know, you and your band of adventurers are trying to release some dragons because they've been captured. So, how do you, you know, do you go through and fight them or, and and then knock them out? Are you going through stealthily? Um, and you could give them some simple puzzles along the way, because really all we're doing is like introducing the mechanics of of D and
0: D and really at the, especially from a math level, you probably would want to do have a system where you're just rolling a dice and probably taking either the highest number or just looking at one number and not adding a lot to it in terms of like modifiers. Um, I guess it also depends on what age group you're targeting, right? Because some older kids would be able to do, you know basic math but just as an introduction i would think just taking like a single d20 roll and saying okay if it's above this amount then that's a success or it's a fail or whatever
1: yeah even even as an adult some of those some of the math that has to go into rolling a character is a little bit beyond me but I think, you know, we have tables and charts that say, okay, so if we're going to build a new character, if you roll a, a D6, then you're going to add this many points or you're going to take away this many points. So honestly, that's going to be like second grade and up. Although my second graders had a little bit of problem with their basic math, but that's uh, neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so I think second grade and up, if if any parents are listening and want to have an idea of where their math skills should be for their little ones. Second, third grade is probably where we could start.
0: And it would be a fun way to reinforce some of those basic math skills at the same time.
1: (gasps) Teaching while we're having fun is my favorite. It's trickery. Always trickery.
0: That's Well, that was like me with the Civilization games. I would just play them all the time and then I'd learn all this random history about random locations because I'd read the Civilopedia entri- entries.
1: See? Remember back in the day when we were used to be yelled at for playing too many video games? But here they are. You could sneak them in at any point. They don't have to be like super educational. They could still be fun and and make us learn.
0: You learn a lot more too when you're exposed to something and then are curious about it. than if somebody's just trying to be like, okay, you got to learn this for the test.
1: No, they should make the standardized tests like games. (laughs) Somebody gets on that. Somebody needs to get there. It's like, how do we give students like an hour game to play? Go through all the standards that are required by, you know, the state.
0: So the final is just a RPG session where you fight the dragon. And... Yeah.
1: You got to do some math and reading. Maybe you have to compose a letter. So there's your writing.
0: There we go. We'll have this all figured <laughs> out by the end of the episode.
1: Oh, man, if we could... The the problem would be, like, selling that to admin. I don't think it'd be such a hard sell to teachers. I think it'd be a hard sell to the the other people who don't quite sit in the classroom anymore.
0: Yeah, especially if they're not familiar with the games. Yeah, I, I think I agree that that would be the biggest hurdle there.
1: So I think we need a resident old person...
0: Resident old person.
1: Yep. (laughs) Somebody we could bounce ideas off of.
0: Um, An after school program would be a neat way to do that as well because then you, oh, I guess I'm not sure, but I assume you wouldn't need as much approval to do something like that because it would be like your own time.
1: Yeah, and a lot of elementary schools, especially in my district, have opportunities for students to do something after school. Um, so I know that my my school used to have a yoga club you know they they you have robotics and things like that even at the, the primary level. so I think as long as you could talk about how it was helpful or identify where students would, really be growing skills that they need for the real world. Which we could, right? Your teamwork, your problem solving, your actually having to communicate and then you have that creativity aspect of you are a different character and you could play it as a different character so you could take on this whole different persona and really, you know, create a backstory and a lively idea of how this new person walks through this world. There's it really of... solves itself.
0: <laughs> um then the other trick would be if you have teachers or people who aren't familiar with the games, you'd also have to get them on board cuz like you would be fine. You'd just be like, yeah, sure, just give me the approval and we'll go do it, but then making it Broader, maybe difficult if those people aren't uh, as aware of or familiar with those systems or games.
1: Yep. I picture that one girl in my. Which I had over for my birthday party who had a whole crying outburst when we tried to watch Harry Potter. <laughs> oh no.
0: That's brutal. I don't even think I know anybody my age that doesn't like harry potter
1: (laughs) did you not have any kids who couldn't watch it because of magic
0: well that is possible i don't remember anybody specifically like not being allowed to and i'm pretty sure we watched them in school occasionally like on short weeks or like when there's holidays and stuff and the teachers didn't have anything else um i don't remember anybody having issues with it
1: Yep. No, well, you know, Texas always has to be (laughs) special, but I knew a couple of people who couldn't watch Harry Potter or talk about any sort of fantasy because there was magic involved Um, or thought that Dungeons and Dragons was of the devil and just devil worshipping because, you know one firebolt can absolutely lead to a a road of sin
0: (laughs) i have um some family members that i'm not too vocal about it with just because i don't want to don't want to have to answer a bunch of questions (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's and that that's one of the things too is like when you describe it it's like well it's just a you know cooperative storytelling thing um and some of my family are really into, like, uh, fantasy or sci-fi, Star Wars type stuff, you know. So they kind of get that, you know, fictional settings. And then I have some other family members that are super, like, not interested in fantasy or anything. So everything that, like, as far as, like, media that they consume, it would be more like real life stuff or, like, um, like. S- Soap operas and The Bachelor and stuff like that, where it's not—I mean, it's kind of fantasy, but in a—it's real-world stuff, not you know, make-believe stuff.
1: Yeah, there's a, yeah, I—I I have those family members. I can think of them. I see them. Um, I did. I don't know if you—you listen to Join the Party, which is another podcast um, that I. F- I just randomly found, and really, what sparked this this D and D nonsense back in my life. Um, But they have their first season. They have a like bachelor type theme for part of their their campaign, Um, just with the idea of like being on a reality show. I guess more of like a Big Brother sort of feel to it. But it ends up, you know, always turning into. Fighting a big monster and and moving on, but I even think that's a fun way to incorporate things that other people like, and maybe getting them on track of like, hey, we're gonna play this like I don't know survivor themed role playing game, and you know have it have it so they're they're doing puzzles and they're really just playing D and D.
0: That's an interesting idea. I hadn't considered running something. Um that mirrors like popular tv shows or something um and it'd be also interesting to run like an episode of that but also in a fantasy setting as well so like fantasy survivor right <laughs> you can already see like a one shot or like a short campaign where the the party is like teleported away to some island and then they have to survive the island and do all of the survivor stuff to to get off
1: (laughs) they have to vote other people off the island
0: and then you get your social backstabbing you know political intrigue in there
1: and that would be a fun way to actually like split up the party too you know, have two different campaigns going on with maybe two sets of people. Have them vote some of their friends off, or you know, whatever they they want to do, and then join it in sort of a a finale or whatever you want it to do, and and have these two sets of groups like be competitive, and then and then eventually have to work together, and then once again backstab. I love Survivor. I. <laughs> Of my trashy TV that is number one
0: I haven't watched that in a long time there was one that I watched for a little bit I don't even remember what it was called but it was it was basically survivor but they were all on like a pirate ship and it was all pirate themed and somebody had like a it was like the captain and they would get like gold for completing stuff but then like the if they didn't like the captain they could mutiny against him and kick him off and that one was interesting, but it was basically just like Pirates of the Caribbean survivor.
1: <laughs> Look, that translates so well to a seafaring campaign.
0: It does, that is true.
1: Now I really just want to go and like watch those and then roll characters that would match, you know, those those specific players
0: (laughs) that would be good i i i really think uh, you could probably pull off a pretty decent one shot like this and do like a couple nights worth of you know you you wouldn't do like the full however many weeks they film it for you know but you do like maybe there's three nights of voting and then it culminates in one final Showdown or something and you either got to go against the other team or or some monster or something
1: <laughs> I'm here for this See look, I don't even need Adrian. We just built this campaign right here
0: Seafaring, I'll be... survivor. Yeah. yeah, you're good
1: Yeah, here we go.
0: You just hit me up if you need any more inspiration <laughs>
1: Absolutely, I think it's we're all in this together, and you know that's what I really like about this community too. It's not just, I have all the answers it's you know I did this, and you could do it too
0: and thats like, kind of the cool thing about interviewing people too right is we get to kind of take a peek into everybody's brain and you realize that a lot of people run things very differently from other people, even in like the same system, and there's just a lot of good stuff to steal.
1: Yes. So our running gag—I don't know if Adrian talked about it—is Curse of Strad. Um, Adrian's been playing it since since the pandemic started, and what I have learned because I I just I didn't know about all of the other campaigns. I really didn't, you know, until all of this, I didn't know how D&D campaigns, I'm sorry, my dogs all decided they needed to be awake at the same time. Um, I didn't know how campaigns were created. I just assumed that everybody I had been playing with had these just brilliant ideas of what we were doing and I was like, yeah, I'll go along with you know, I just assumed everything was homebrewed. Um, so now that I know that Curse of Strahd is a thing, um, it's it's the one that everybody wants to talk about. And it's fascinating, like you said, to hear what other people are doing. Like, how are you playing Strahd? What are you doing? What is he doing? Is he a friend to the campaign? Because I've heard that, where like Strahd is just like a bro that they that they... That's some deep stuff. And I don't know if I could not... I don't know if I could hold on to that secret (laughs) like your bro is, is trying to kill you I'm sorry
0: yeah and I haven't run any at least any like major modules I've run some like quick start module things but um but then most of my stuff even the stuff that I kind of homebrew is all stolen from like tv shows that I've watched or um like a lot of stuff I'll pull from Avatar the Last Airbender because they just got really good storytelling and in really interesting locations and stuff. Um, and most of the people that I'm playing with um, haven't seen them, so like I can do straight up the same names and characters and they'll be like, oh, this is a neat person.
1: <laughs> I like throwing in characters like that. Um, Adrian and I were just talking about a good place, another good place uh, for any D advice or any character creation or any NPC creation is TikTok. And um, I saw somebody have a character, and they they call him. Oh, I'm pro- I may butcher, but if not, then yes. Um, but Deuce McKenna, and you're like cool. Like that's a neat character, and he just like comes in and like helps out the group. But it's a, like, Deuce Ex Machina effect of, of helping the characters out, and you've called them Deuce machina. McKe- I just love a pun like that.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I have not... I'm on TikTok, but I have not seen that one pop up.
1: I don't know if I've saved it. I don't remember. But if I can find it, I will absolutely forward it to you.
0: Perfect. About half of my TikTok feed is D&D-related content, so... <laughs>
1: It's solid. I I hated on TikTok for a while because I was like, that's for the like, babies. That's for the youngins. Um, and then I just, my sister kept sending me stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just download this stupid app so I understand what she's trying to say to me. And I'll watch the videos. And then I started realizing that I could use it for different sorts of resources. So I have, like, the ADHD TikTok, which helped me find systems and ways for me to um, work in my environment with my adult diagnosed ADHD and then teacher TikTok is, is also a lot of fun although very expensive because I always get whenever the new merch drops like all of the Target stuff um, that came out over the summer for teachers um, I knew like the second date was out and so I'm sure my husband is, is tired of me on that part of tiktok (laughs) (laughs) um but i love the dungeons and dragons because the npcs and the ideas and the puzzles Ooh, i'm not saying that there's not resources i'm just saying that i don't have the confidence to (laughs) to compile all the resources and move forward
0: there's a lot of good short i mean since most of the videos are a minute to three minutes there's a lot of good short really quick here's an idea that you can probably plug into your campaign or here's a campaign starter or an NPC idea or whatever. So, yeah, I agree. I I get that a lot of people don't like TikTok for various reasons. Um, I joined it as a joke and then my account blew up, so I'm kind of on there for good now, I guess.
1: (laughs) I can't... So I think the takeaway from all of this, right, is that we need to stop doing things ironically because they're they're going to become a staple in our lives.
0: So so a little bit back on the topic of home brewing and what you were mentioning about like when you run a game, it sounds like you want to kind of make your own world or do you want to maybe run some module?
1: I think I have the lofty goal to homebrew and maybe combine things of what, or combine a story together that I want to put together. But that's just, I don't know why. I just, that's what my natural default is. Um, I think it's because they're, (laughs) sometimes looking at the, like, module books or whatever resources it's just so overwhelming and sometimes they're not in the order that my brain works in and so it would be like having to study a master class and then organize it so i understand what it is which then again i'm just you know working how my brain works so if i ever find something that works for me to read and put together then, then I think I would be more more understanding to do a pre-written module but I just with the way that you know I think about stories I basically would just have I so what I need here's what it is what I need is like the post-it note version of Curse of Strahd or something like that <laughs> I just need like the combination of all the things and then I can put the, together the order Spark or notes. you know I have a, a a flowchart of what what could be done.
0: Yeah, and I th- I think I'm kind of with you on that as well because, I the one thing that I um, I think that I would struggle with with a module is feeling too restricted by what they have in it, and I haven't haven't read any like major modules, so maybe that's just on me to actually go out and pick one up and, and read through it and be like, oh, yeah, this will actually work. But I feel like I get the ones that I have done, the, like, smaller things that I've done, where, like, the basically, like, a session or two is planned out and there's different encounters. I get so locked in on, like, this is, this is, like, the three ways that they can come out of this encounter and then the players do something else that's not really captured by that, you know, three options. And then... And then I am just kind of default back to just making everything up again anyways, right? So the book is maybe less helpful to me than just, it feels restrictive and then it it breaks anyways. So um, maybe the approach that I need to have with it is read it and then pull from it as inspiration, but not feel obligated to run it straight out of the book.
1: I absolutely agree with that. I think it's weird that what I've seen is that some people are like, yeah, I can do that. I can just combine it. And then there are other people, which it sounds like you and I are, um, that select a few that just needs that permission to do that and, you know, approach things where you can slice and dice.
0: So something that we're working on, on the server a little bit. So I have a design contest going right now. You may or may not have seen that. Um, we're basically, um, having a bunch of people do submissions for, um, right now it's a fantasy desert metropolis and they the submissions are all locations that you would find in this massive city, right? Um, and then like an NPC that would be there. And. My idea kind of with that is to just kind of compile this big massive like almost like a source book or source zine maybe um of just stuff right so you could take that and be like we're gonna go to this city next and here's like a bunch of stuff that we can do here but there's no there's no like plot or anything right like the dm would have to take it and be like I this one's cool this thing's cool oh there's a cool npc here let's make him a bad guy and then you know just kind of drop your players in and have stuff that you could you could use it as a as a kind of way to get ideas and stuff but there's not like a okay first session you're going to want to have your players do these four things and then by the end there's this big massive ending with this battle at the palace and you know it's just like here's a bunch of locations here's a bunch of monsters here's some maybe cool items. If you end up needing it, then, you know, flip to a page and, and there's information for you. But there's no, like I said, there's no plot or anything to it.
1: Yeah, I like that idea. And even just, you know, that having that framework, too, that goes along with it. Like, oh, I need two NPCs for this one thing. And then, oh, I can pull these two characters and that's great. Um, and even just the, like... The Pixar storyboard, right? Everything has been, this is how the life has been until this very moment. Then it changed. And then here's the journey that we're about to go on. Um, you know, in the hero's journey, you meet the big bad, you fight the big bad, you defeat it, and then you either continue or you retire or die. Um, so continue just having that outline.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, just the just in what you do right i don't know i'm just a teacher i'm not a hero <laughs> but i like that that like compendium here are all your characters and just if you find a character you like pick and plug
0: yep and that's kind of what we're going for with at least with this so um and hopefully going to run more design competitions. So today is actually the last day. Well, so on the episode this episode will release, I will have announced the winner cuz it'll be next week, but today is the last day of the submissions that are allowed. So
1: Ooh, so real time, maybe they'll hear it through the universe. Get it in today.
0: <laughs> I did announce it on my server, so hopefully hopefully anybody else that wants to has submitted.
1: Have you looked at the submissions yet?
0: I've read a couple of them. Um, some people have very excellent descriptive uh, narration talents, I guess. Um, I have not. I have not read all of them, so I can't determine a winner. And I may need to have my wife read a couple of them and see which ones she likes, because I don't know if I'll. If I'll be able to actually pick one out, I might have to pick out like my top three and see which ones she picks and then see where we where we have overlap.
1: I like that there are different ways to go and also I'm always about the the spousal support. <laughs> I think my lack of choice making um, I'm sure my husband just loves, but you know that's what you sign up for, right when <laughs> you get in a relationship. And then you start new projects. Like, oh, hey, you're gonna maybe have to help me pick this this giveaway, or hey, read through all of this stuff. Does your does your wife play D and D as well?
0: Um, not as avidly as as I do, but she's in. Um, so it's her and then my sister and her boyfriend. That's one of my groups that I run for. Um, not super frequently because they're um, my sister and. Her boyfriend are both in college right now so scheduling is whacked but um she does enjoy to play it she has actually run a couple games as well um and especially for her this is dnd and um rpgs in general are kind of outside of her comfort zone or what she was was familiar with so it's really interesting when she gets to run a game because she doesn't have the same Um, like I'm like super ingrained in like all the stuff that's happening in some of the history and stuff and how like this is how everybody online says to do a certain thing right and she has has none of that information so then she goes and runs stuff and is like oh that was a really neat way to handle that I never would have thought of that because I'm kind of maybe stuck more in some of the popular traditions of role playing games versus just coming at it completely blind
1: Oh man, that freedom of not knowing a lot of information and not having done a deep dive.
0: It's kind of I'm with jealous. with anything, with any project or any skill or any anything that you do, there's like this sweet spot like right after you kind of you kind of learn enough to know what you're doing but like not enough to have ingrained like stuff ingrained in you as to like how to do something a specific way, right? And then just kind of that sweet spot where it's like really fun but then as you as you keep going and you get more more and more learning you you get a lot better but then you you lose some of that kind of like wonder and inspiration and and stuff
1: that beginner mindset
0: Exactly Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we drop?
1: No, this was a much much more full conversation that I was worried that we were you were you were gonna get within five minutes of having a conversation with me and being like ah yeah i talked to the worst of the two (laughs) adrian we should bring adrian back just can you just call him right now (laughs) but you know i really no, i absolutely enjoyed this conversation it was a lot of fun and it's really weird being on the other side of the microphone and answering questions rather than you know trying to lead it so it's very nice to not to think that hard
0: (laughs) you don't have to be in charge for once
1: yeah and then we're talking to you soon too so
0: i look forward to being on your guys's podcast because that'll be my first time getting to be interviewed
1: Uh, Ooh, the first time well you know how it goes so awesome well thank you so much for having me yes and congratulations to whoever won the (laughs) giveaway
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dungeon Master's Toolkit Podcast. You can find links to all of the products and resources that we talked about on the show in the show notes. And if you'd like to join the community or find out how to be on the show, check out our subreddit or join us in our Discord server.